Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and review the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing The Leaving Song, the 21st episode of Season 1, which was written by our girl Jennifer Cecile and Mark B. Perry, directed by David Carson, and originally aired on May 4th, 2004. Jeremy, can you believe we're almost at the end of our first season of the podcast? I know, time's just flying right by. We're almost done. What? How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. It feels so long ago, but also feels like yesterday, too. It's one of those weird, like, time conundrums things. It's true. The the pandemic maybe had a part of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Every day feels the same. <laughs> like, one day we're going to close our eyes and we're going to be, like, 54 and this podcast will be over. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope we're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds like really dramatic. We'll probably be, like, 53. But, you know. <laughs> we'll say. Um... So, friends, as we finish up season one, we are starting production on our season one recap episode, which will also function as a mailbag where we would love to hear from all of you. The deadline to send in your emails to us will be March 23rd. You can share any thoughts you had about our first season or the series in general. Uh, You can share questions if you want any behind-the-scenes information. I'm sure, sure, well, you know, Caitlin and I have a lot of great, like, behind-the-scenes info on the production of our podcast. So, if you want to know certain things, like, how did we, you know, how did we decide to make this podcast? We have stories there, in case anybody wants to know about stuff like that. Definitely. So, anything and everything, ask away, and we'll answer on our recap episode following season one. Yeah. And feel free to talk about stuff that's not related to One Tree Hill as well. Like, if you want to know about, like, our TV and movie recommendations, we can give you some of those as well. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. If you want some life advice on what to do when your significant other is watching porn, well, (laughs) we could give you some great information about that as well. (laughs) No, thanks. Please do not send us personal questions. (laughs) Do not ask us anything about, like, mental health or anything. Me and Caitlin, like, I feel like we have a lot of great lived experiences and whatnot. I don't know if we're equipped to answer questions like that. But if you do have questions like that, we wish you all the best. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Nathan and Lucas begin to bond as brothers as they train together to prepare for the playoffs. Dan temporarily coaches the team while Whitey has eye surgery, and things get awkward when he sees his two sons get along and work together for once. Lucas wonders what Dan meant the other night about secrets from the past. Karen reveals to Lucas that Dan asked for joint custody when he was very young, but she refused his offer because she wanted to protect him from Dan. Lucas is upset that his mom kept the secret from him for all these years and wonders what his life would have been like if Dan was a part of it. As Lucas contemplates the poor choices he's made recently, he also considers if Dan's poor choices were what ultimately changed him for the worse. At the very end, Lucas tells Keith and Karen that he wants to leave Tree Hill with Keith in order to get a fresh start and escape all the bad decisions he's made lately. In other news, Brooke asks Peyton if they can be friends again. 
so they go to the mall together while babysitting baby Jenny. They turn away for two seconds, and Nikki snatches up Jenny and quickly walks away. Once Jake gets to the mall following the kidnapping, Nikki comes back and returns Jenny like nothing even happens. After consulting a lawyer, Jake believes that Nikki would likely get custody of Jenny. So he decides to leave Tree Hill and go to Savannah. Since Peyton's dad is taking a short boat trip to the Keys, she offers Jake and Jenny a free ride to drop them off. On the morning of Jake and Jenny's departure, Peyton is there to say goodbye and kisses Jake on the cheek. Oh, and I am so excited as the Jake and Chipper in the house! <laughs> Meanwhile, Haley finds porn which also includes lewd photos of Peyton, on Nathan's computer and confronts him about it. She tells Nathan that she feels vulnerable and self-conscious because she doesn't want to be compared to the women he sees online. And Zan sends Deb the divorce papers, and she cries while signing them. Staying in Tree Hill forever, I'm Caitlin Ellenich. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone's leaving. <laughs> I'm staying. You're not. You're staying. That is so sweet. And browsing the web for porn while also holding emotional space for my real life significant other. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that was nice and wholesome. So today's episode is named after the AFI song, the leaving song. And I don't have many thoughts about this song, but the one thing that really stood out to me was it's repeated a few times throughout. Poison hearts will never change. And it's followed with walked away again. And I, I kept thinking about Dan and how he left Karen and Lucas so many years ago. And he's kind of like, I feel like his heart is poisoned. Like he doesn't know what his feelings are about Lucas. In a previous episode, we got to see him look through a lockbox and see, you know, what he missed out on in Lucas's life. But then you also see all of his actions towards Lucas and what he says to him are just awful again and again. So I don't know. It just made me think of his character because I feel like, like the lyric said, he never will change. I don't think. At least not anytime soon. Yeah, totally. I feel like the deeper we get into season one, the more I realize that Zan is such a complex character. I mean, I always knew this, of course, but I feel like it's just very, very evident in season one because, yeah, he seems to have some type of feelings toward his sons and whatnot, but he's so, like, a toxic asshole. And I kind of... I don't know, I kind of appreciate the fact that you could be a toxic asshole, but also have these complicated loving feelings as well, you know? Yeah, he's not so straightforward as a character. He is more complex, I think. But mm -hmm. on the outside right now, he just seems like this terrible person who walked away from his family, basically. We don't really get mm -hmm. to see his internal feelings. Like, he's not sharing that with anyone yet. As the audience, we're able to see some of that, but it's not really displayed in his relationships with the characters. Totally. That's interesting that you thought about Zan when you heard this song, uh, because I actually didn't think about Zan at all. Um, well, for, for one thing, the title, the leaving song... It's very on the nose. All these characters are leaving town. But the line that really resonated with me is the bridge, where it says, All the cracks, they lead right to me, and all the cracks will crawl right through me. And I feel like that resonates with Keith, Lucas, and Jake, because they essentially believe that all problems 
are because of them staying in town. And that's why they need to move on, try to start a new life, essentially. That's a good point. They almost feel like they're, yeah, they're the ones causing problems. Like the lyric says, they lead right to me. So maybe leaving Tree Hill will ultimately change things for them. Yeah. It'll either fix her life or it could mean like they're running away from the problem, which I can I can see a little bit with some of their decisions. Especially with Lucas. Yeah. Like I feel like Lucas is definitely running away from his problems personally. He doesn't want to face it, I don't think. <laughs> um Jake I feel like there's a lot of like legal issues I have with like his whole storyline, which we will talk about when we get there. But then the whole thing with the whole thing with Keith, I have a lot of issues with Keith in this episode, and we'll get into those later. But at the end of the day, this is how all three characters feel, and we'll get to that. Interesting. I'm curious what you have to say about Keith. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Keith in this episode. I just don't. Huh. But that's for later. <laughs> for now, let's talk about <laughs> how the episode opens with Lucas and Nathan essentially being bros. Nathan knocks on Lucas's door and says, hey man, do you want to work out? And then a shirtless Chad Michael Murray answers the door. <laughs> I mean, it's really refreshing to see these two getting along the whole episode. And I, I love how it's the episode started like that too, because you're you're not expecting that at all. Mm -hmm. But because Nathan wants to do well in the playoffs, Lucas is kind of rusty still since he came back to the team. And I feel like their bond is growing, you know, as the season has progressed, they've had their ups and downs, but I think they're headed to a good place. So I mean, we really haven't got to see, got to see them as brothers, and I feel like this is one of the few times this season that we have been able to see them like that. Yeah, and I really like how they address some of the issues of their past, too. Like, Nathan even admits to Lucas that he only thought what his dad wanted him to think, mm -hmm. and I thought that was really, really wonderful, the fact that Nathan called himself in right there. And then essentially, even though he didn't say it outright that he was wrong, he essentially did say that. He basically said, I was wrong for thinking that. Yeah, you're right. He did say that in his own way. Like, indirectly, he said that. And I think that's a good realization. Like, that's a pretty big realization to have. You know, that someone else was kind of manipulating your thoughts. And now, Nathan, now that he knows Lucas, he can think for himself. And he also has distance from his dad now, too, which helps. Right. And I feel like that's like what a lot of like people deal with in abuse of homes specifically, like Nathan grew up in. Like, you know, they'll grow up thinking one thing, they'll grow up thinking mm -hmm. that their parents are right. And then as they get older, they realize that, you know what, my parents weren't necessarily right in this situation. Your perspective changes over time, especially when you're exposed to like the world more. Yeah, totally. And in this way, like Nathan's world has expanded this season like he didn't have i mean same with lucas too he didn't have a brother he had no relationship with lucas at all it's just a much different life now than before you know the season even started yeah and it's not even you know you don't even see the two of them just be like serious and say like hey like let's unpack our childhood trauma you saw some silly moments too like the part where lucas calls nathan a porn freak like <laughs> 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 says it says, just stay away from the sights of the farm animals. I don't know. I thought that line was just, like, really oh, funny. Like, funny. it was just, it was yep. just so cool to see. <laughs> like, I, I feel like there's so much, like, drama and broodiness between the two of these characters. It was just really, really nice to see them, two of them, like, laughing and actually enjoying each other's company. Yeah. It was really funny to say. And in the weight room, too. 
I think they were they were laughing. Yeah, that was the same. Yeah, that's the same. Oh, that's that was the scene. scene? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from the signs with the farm animals. <laughs> Gross. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, so they could have you're right, they could have like some deeper moments where they were unpacking the past a little bit, but then they also were a bit more carefree and they they could laugh together and just have a good time. Yeah, and I think this is the first episode where we actually do see that. Perhaps the only episode, who knows? We're not spoiling anything for you. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was one other thing that um, when they were on the river court that Nathan said to Lucas, he said something along the lines that Lucas wasn't missing out on anything in his childhood, like not having Dan around. And I, I thought that was interesting, too. That Nathan's at the point where he could actually say that, you know, realize that he he didn't have a good childhood. So in a way, like, Lucas almost kind of lucked out, which I feel like Nathan has kind of hinted to throughout the season. There's been a few other conversations, I think, or at least one other one where that was hinted to as well. Uh, yeah, like in, the, in episode 106 when he admits that when they had, like, kicked his ass really hard. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that 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 one, and then when Lucas is waking up at the hospital, when Nathan said he, he'd rather, like, switch places, I think? Yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember that conversation. So, there have been hints to it, but, like, he flat out says, you didn't miss anything. I thought that was kind of a big moment, too. Yeah, which just all goes according to the show, like, Nathan's essentially saying, like, hey, I'm growing up, I'm developing my own opinions about situations and life that aren't influenced by Dan right now. And essentially, I'm owning up to it right now, Nathan. Aw, he's growing up. (laughs) How sweet. I mean, he's grown up a lot, I think, in this one season. Totally. And then we also get the big reveal about that secret that Dan hinted at to Lucas in 120. Yes! A secret from the past, which was the fact that Dan wanted joint custody, and Karen finally reveals that to Lucas. And understandably, I think Lucas had a right to be upset about that. That's a big piece of information that Karen let out let out of the whole narrative. So I understand why Lucas would be upset. Yeah, it's like you grow up the entire time thinking like, oh, is Dan an asshole? Exactly. And, you know, if Karen had said yes, then Dan, maybe he would have been different. You don't know. And I think that's what Lucas is wondering this whole episode. Like, he's wondering about the choices that Dan made and how they kind of shaped him into who he is now, this terrible person. But if things had been different, then maybe Dan would be different now. Yeah, exactly. If there, there was one line where Lucas asked, I don't remember who he asked. Does he ask Karen or does he ask Nathan? He says, like, th- what was this his breaking point? Was this the moment that changed him? Was that this episode or is that the previous episode? We recorded like an episode like two days ago. <laughs> They're all blended in together at this point, but <laughs> no, it wasn't the last episode. It was this episode. My bad. What was the quote again? I don't remember the exact quote, but um, Lucas essentially says like, is, you know, th- this whole like custody issue, is this what changed Dan? Oh, yes. That, that was this episode. Yeah, okay. And like I said, I don't remember exactly what it said, but that's um, something that Lucas is like doing a little bit of soul search and realizing some things. And he's also thinking about like the choices that he's made specifically. I'm talking about Lucas. I mean, the choices he's made recently, I think he's pondering like, well, what if these decisions shape who I am and make me into someone who like isn't a good person, basically. 
Right. So yeah, I feel like um, Lucas had every right to be angry as well. And I also feel like Keith had a little bit of a right to be angry as well, because he didn't even know this information about Anne. I know. How did Karen (laughs) keep this a secret all these years? I I don't know. He also said that he told Dan he was a liar back then, because Dan apparently tried to tell Keith that he wanted joint custody. So Keith is like, oh, what the, what the fuck? I told him he was a liar, and apparently he wasn't lying then. But I also think Karen had a good point in saying, like, well, you would still know that Dan is an asshole. I know, because everything else he's done has been terrible, so. Yeah, this information doesn't really change, like, you know, the fact that Dan is an asshole, because he was an asshole to Keith while growing up, you know? it's It doesn't change anything at the end of the day, you know? Like, it kind of paints Dan in even a worse light. Right, right, yeah. So I want to talk about the scene where Dan shows up at the cafe, where Karen confronts him. But before that happens, we see Dan talk to Deb. Deb says, Karen made me her partner. And then Dan says, I hope you mean in the business. Which, one thing, homophobic as shit. Because, <laughs> for one thing, Dan, why is it any of your business that Karen and Deb are totally fucking, okay? Because they totally are, even though it's not happening on the screen. But why is it your business, Dan? Um... That just agitated me a little bit. I didn't catch that line. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't. He does say that, yeah. <laughs> it validates my shit for, for Deb, bro. It totally does. Yes. That's, that's kind of funny that it, that was included based on what we were joking about in the previous episode. <laughs> but, like, obviously in his context, it, it's wrong, but. Yeah, totally. So, it validates my Deborah ship. So, when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, 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 you're right, Dan. They are fucking. But at the same time, it's like, you don't just say shit like that. It, it's not your business. What, so, what if Deb is dating Karen? Why is it your business, Dan? Mm-hmm. She's divorcing you. You already made it clear. You you want to divorce her. Like, come on, Dan. Why is it your business? And then right after that, um, Deb hands Dan back his watch, which she left the other night. The two of them had sex. And then Dan says, what makes you think I didn't leave it there as payment? And I'm like, this is so disgusting. Just everything about that little short exchange just bothered me so much. Because I feel like he always has to be, like, quick-witted and say something, like, sassy, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what the reason is behind that, but he just needs to be a jerk for some reason. He feels like he has to say something. Yeah, and then uh, normally, like, you know, I'm all for, like, little sassy comments like that. Like, it's funny, but come on, like, the, the first exchange, he's... He's being a little bit homophobic right there. And in this exchange, I feel like he's also, like, shaming sex workers as well. Because the fact that he's given Deb, like, this payment is, like, saying that, like, hey, you're less than. Like, you used to be my wife, but now you're a whore, quote-unquote. So. Oh, my God. That's all thing. I granted, like, you know, views of both LGBT people and sex workers were much different then. Like, you know, people were looked down upon. That doesn't make it okay by any means. But society has come a long way. So I feel like that's just a that's just a good view of like how society was back in two thousand four. And it still is in some in many ways. But yeah, yeah. That that whole exchange just really bothered me. And it was such a quick exchange. You said so much in such a short amount of time. <laughs> yeah, like you missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> picks up on it right away i was like dan come on but then right after that conversation karen um says to dan like can i talk to you and she basically asks, like is it just sport this need to agitate lucas every chance you get and i i, I really do got a question like why did dan have to reveal this yeah i guess he wants to redeem himself a little bit and have 
Lucas see him a little bit differently. That's the only motivation that I can think of, that he really doesn't want to be this bad guy deep down. Yeah. But why dredge up the past like this? Or he just wants to be the alpha male in the situation in general. He wants to be in control of everything. He wants to be in control of how people view him and everything. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I don't know. Like we said before, he's really complex. There could be many reasons why he decided to do that. But I guess he just was trying to show, like, I don't know. I I really don't know why he would do it, other than to try to make himself seem like a better person. It's really the only thing that makes the most sense to me. But there's a much better way to address this. Like, like Dan has seen Lucas before. He could have, and plus, like, he has a way to reach out to Lucas through Keith, because obviously he's still very much, like, on good terms somewhat with Keith, it seems like. Like, he could have always reached out to Lucas and just said, like, hey, just so you know, I would like to be in your life. There's so many better ways to address the situation. Oh, Yeah. It's like, I don't think he can fully uh, come to terms with his own feelings, let alone express them clearly. So I think the only way he knows how to express himself is to do do and say things that really aren't appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and to get get people upset. That's also something that he, like, he feeds off that. But come on, though. Like, he's 36, you know? I, I feel like there's... I feel like there just comes a point where, like, you can't necessarily blame it on his past anymore too because we we know that he's come from like a really like bad like home life like with his own father we realized this several episodes ago like come on like you start to realize like you're you start to realize different things about like life much younger than 36 you know yeah i know i feel like he's someone who's just kind of stuck in the past mm-hmm. he's, he really is <sighs> dan 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 danny boy What an interesting character, though. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have some thoughts on him as things progress. Until then, porn! (laughs) Oh, that's quite a segue. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Nathan being a quote-unquote porn freak. So... We received some listener questions about this from both Valeria and Jenna. They both sent basically the same questions, which is basically, what are our thoughts on Haley's reaction to Nathan looking at porn? Now, before jumping into this episode, I felt one type of way. Like, I really thought that Haley was, like, overreacting. But after revisiting it for this podcast, like, really looking at the episode, taking notes, I have a little bit more of a nuanced perspective now. And... How about you go first, Caitlin, and then I'll go off. (laughs) So I think we have to look at this with the lens of these are teenagers. (laughs) And also, Haley is not experienced sexually. So I feel like I can't really judge her for reacting in that way. Because I can kind of think from her perspective... That would be overwhelming, and it would make you feel self-conscious. Especially, this is her first relationship, and while they haven't had sex yet, that seems like that's going to be happening maybe in the near future. I mean, she's been thinking about it, at least. So, I can see how that puts pressure on her a little bit. 
Yeah, but I feel like that's the whole thing about self-conscious. That's what I saw too. Like the line where Haley's like, it makes me feel self-conscious about even being naked in front of you. I feel like that's a much more interesting story to tell. And I feel like that's something they really should have delved into. Like, I feel like it would have been really cool if they showed Haley, like, she saw, like, oh, Nathan's looking at these girls. And then maybe she tries to pull, like, uh, Sandra D or something like that. Yeah. To, like, maybe seduce Nathan or something. I feel like that would have been a more interesting story to tell. But that's not really what they delve into. They sort of delve into the whole morality of, like, Nathan looking at porn. Bad. And... I, I feel like the fact that you're significant other looking at porn, that's not necessarily a issue in general. Although, I mean, I will say, I feel like the fact that he had pictures of Peyton, that is a problem. Yeah, I think the pictures of Peyton were worse than the other things she found. Yeah. Because it's more personable. personal. He had a relationship with Peyton. Why would that stuff still be on his computer? Yeah. And the fact that Nathan, he he gaslighted Haley um, when Haley confronted him. And he says, you know, it would be nice if a guy could have some privacy in his own apartment. I'm like, you're completely missing the fact that like Haley discovered them. She wasn't looking for them, for one thing. Haley just accidentally stumbled upon. So I really didn't like Nathan's reaction right there. So... Yeah, the whole thing with Peyton, okay, I feel like we could come to the agreement. Like, I feel like that's wrong. Yeah. Granted, I mean, you can't forget, like, I mean, I have I, I have nudes from exes on my phone that I'm like, I- I'm like, I forget that they're there sometimes. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 Haven't seen that in a while. I'll look at my phone. <laughs> you know? But... I feel like the story could have been so much more interesting if they really delved into the fact that Haley was insecure. I think they're trying to, like, their sex is an issue already between them, so I think they're trying to build on that storyline a little bit. Like, Nathan isn't getting it from Haley, so now he's going elsewhere, kind of. I think that's what they're getting at. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of going elsewhere. But it, it could have been so much better if they really delved into the fact that Haley was insecure. And um, like the scene that really sticks out to me is where Lucas tells um Haley to cut Nathan some slack. And I feel like you know a, a better thing that Lucas should have done was just say like, "Hey, Haley, why are you insecure? Let's unpack this. Why do you like what? What is your big issue with this?" And I feel like it's just making this whole morality tale into like whether or not the fact that. Um, looking at porn is good or bad. And um, I feel like that's boring. I feel like the storyline, you know, it, it's dated in 2004 when this episode aired, but I feel like it would have been like more prevalent if it aired in like the 1950s or something, you know? I mean, it wouldn't have been internet porn, but like this storyline just doesn't, it's very dated in that way, even for the time it aired, personally. You think? I think so, yeah. Because I was just thinking like how, yeah, 2003, 2004, the internet really had just, I hadn't been around very long. <laughs> so that kind of stuff wasn't really on there. Like, it's as accessible as it... Yeah. Like, I don't think Pornhub, like, existed then or anything either. Like, you know, it was like, you had to, like, really, like, pay for porn if you wanted porn, you know? <laughs> so the fact that Nathan even stumbled upon free porn, like, you know, go him. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> I, I'm going to pull your line. I have space for Haley, and <laughs> I think she's entitled to her feelings. Totally. Feel, feeling insecure about it. And I think that could have opened up a bigger conversation between her and Nathan. Yeah, but they, they didn't delve there. No. I agree with you. It went into more of a morality, just like a question of morals, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and the fact that, I mean, th- there's also, like, subtle shaming of sex workers, too, where, like, Haley says, like, he's looking at plastic bimbos on the internet. I'm like, okay, you don't have to say that, you know? Like, those th- those women who are doing porn, they are still doing work, and they are still being productive members of society. Don't shame them for what they are doing, you know? Yeah. And it's this whole thing. So, yeah, Valeria and Shanna, basically, I don't think there is necessarily a right answer for this. Like, <laughs> was she ever reacting? I... I, I understand her insecurities about the whole thing, for sure. But I feel like they should have, like, delved into that a little bit more. I even remember thinking back then in 2004 that the, the storyline was, like, kind of stupid. I'm like, come on, Haley, your boyfriend's just looking at porn. Like, no big deal. I would say the same thing if the roles were reversed, if Haley was looking at porn. <laughs> but, like... Yeah. So, I definitely thought about that, but now that I think about, like, I feel like what they were trying to do was their insecurities and one thing i want to i want to keep this in mind this episode was written by a man and a woman and i almost wonder like you know like how did that partnership like work out in a sense yeah that's kind of curious actually yeah because i don't i don't know anything about mark b perry so i'm not gonna like you know come up with like conjectures or ad hominem attacks about like how he could have written this episode at all you know but it just makes me wonder was jennifer seal trying to make this whole thing about a girl being insecure with all these like models on the internet and then Mark B. Perry was trying to make it into a morality tale. Like, I, I don't know, like, what they were trying to do. But this storyline's kind of a mess, personally. In my opinion, this, this storyline is a mess. I don't even think it really came to much of a conclusion. It's, it, it continues. It, it continues in the next episode. And we'll see that a little bit more. Yeah, but overall, I don't think there is a correct answer to their questions. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's kind of yes and no. <laughs> right. Yes, and the sense, like, yeah, Haley is insecure because, you know, she sees all these these manufactured images, essentially, where, like, everything's fake, and, you know, that's something she has to quote-unquote compete with. Yeah, that's an issue. Um, no, in the sense, like, you know, it's not wrong to look at porn. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just so funny, though, like, diving into this episode, I kept thinking, like, yeah, come on, Haley, you're overreacting. And then I'm like, wait a minute, there's there's a little bit more to it than this. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised, like, how my thoughts have changed. All right, so moving on from porn to now Whitey's <laughs> eye surgery. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is Whitey getting eye surgery or his eyes getting bad from looking at so much porn? Is that the morality tale they're trying to spin? Maybe. <laughs> That's the morality tale. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that as canon. Don't look at porn. Your eyes will get bad. <laughs> so I feel like this is really random. Like this storyline comes out of nowhere, basically. Suddenly he needs to get eye surgery in you know, at the beginning of the playoffs. And now Dan, of course, is going to step in, which Whitey is not happy about. And if you watch the deleted scene, you would know that he's really not happy about it. I know. Yeah, he goes into um, Principal Turner's office. He essentially tells the principal that he's going to, he says, you're lucky I can't really see you because if I did, I would kick your ass. I could not believe that scene. It's so unbelievable. He would be fired. For saying that to a principal. In real life, you would be fired, yeah. Like, Whitey had every right to say that, of course, because, like, yeah, no, they should not have hired Dan to temporarily replace him. But in real life, you would get fired. (laughs) Yeah, you would. But Dan coaches the team anyway, and I feel like that puts even more pressure on Lucas. Mm Mm-hmm. Where Lucas actually throws up in the middle of the game. Oh, my gosh. 
That was terrible. Yeah, like Lucas says, like, I'm still a little weak from the accent. Dan says, yeah, you're a little weak, all right. And I'm like, Dan, can't you be a little more sensitive? You were there for that accident. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's so... And, and then he, you know, he sees Lucas throw up, and then he just says, Nathan, get a mop. Like, I really hope he gave, like, Lucas an opportunity to rest right there, too. Or he, like, sent him home, because that's not... <laughs> That's not normal. You should not be doing that. Why does he have to be terrible all the time? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you would expect this, him to act this way as a coach on the Mm -hmm. team. Like, you just knew it was going to be a disaster as soon as we we found out that he was going to be the coach. Yeah, like, Dan seems to be, like, a little bit of a control freak a little bit. Because, like, why did he want to be the coach so badly, for one thing? I don't know. And he definitely has, like, a... Say that he has a narcissism problem. Is that is that a correct way to put it? I don't know if that is a correct way to put it. I guess. I'm not really sure. I, I think, are are they hinting at that maybe he wants to be closer to Lucas, but not make it, like, obvious? Mm, be closer to Lucas, and this is just his, wet, his own toxic way of making it happen, essentially? I don't know, but he, he does like control. So you're correct in yeah. saying that. He, he does like control. And I feel like he likes to have a say about what happens with the team. You, we've seen, you know, different scenes with Whitey and Dan throughout the whole season. And he, he always has an opinion about what's going on on the team. So I guess it, kind of, it, right. it makes sense, but it's really frustrating <laughs> that the school went ahead with it. Yeah. And in the deleted scene, it shows that they did it because it was like a PR thing because Dan's a big champion and everything like that. And I'm like, yeah, I can... I can get that, because on paper, Dan is actually a good person. Like, you know, he's he was a big champion back in his heyday, and, you know, now he's, like, this really successful businessman and whatnot. Like, on paper, he's a good person, but the people who really know him know that that's not necessarily the truth, you know? I know. There's so much more to his character than on what's on paper. Exactly. But I don't want to talk more anymore about Dan. I'm bored with them. Can we talk a little bit more about uh, Brighton, a.k.a. Brooke and Peyton? Yes. Getting back together. <laughs> so in a big <laughs> in a big turnover from the previous episode where Brooke's like, oh, we're just not enemies anymore. And then Brooke walks off to Peyton and says, hey, now that Lucas has outslid the both of us, are we back to hose over bros? <laughs> like, I know. Okay. That was a quick turnaround, but all right, I'm, I'm okay with it. I like this. You know? It is a different vibe. But I guess they're just transitioning, like, into the next story. Like, they need them to be friends again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, I I feel like a lot of the storylines at the end of the season just get really rushed, personally. <laughs> I, I had said a little bit about that in the previous episode. How, like, you know, it's like, okay, here's here's an example of the storyline going in one direction. Oh, let's just switch gears real quickly. So, I feel like... The pacing is all over the place for this season. I don't think I had realized that before. Yeah, me neither, honestly. But yeah, the story, like the gap between, what was the gap between, you know, that conversation with Peyton when she was laying in the bed? It was the last episode. I know it was the last episode, but are we <laughs> supposed to believe that this was the next day at practice, they're ready to be friends again? Or has it has it been a little bit more time in between that? Once again, we have no idea in Tree Hill world. <laughs> For all we know, it was like six months between these two conversations. <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't long, but you wonder if, if there were a few days or if it was just the next day. I don't know. For all we know, um, season one of One Tree Hill is their junior year, September through April, and then season two is May and June. 
Who knows? I would not be surprised if they pulled that, personally. <laughs> but we're not going to try to figure that out. One moment that is problematic between Brooke and Peyton, though. Um, they're at the mall. They're babysitting Jenny. And then Brooke says, um, oh, you can look at me try on lingerie and complain about how fat I am. And then Peyton says, you're not fat. And then Brooke says, I know. I just like to hear it. <laughs> Do I really need to explain, like, why there's so many things wrong with that conversation? There's... I, I feel like we we know at this point why that's wrong. Let's talk about that. I didn't even think we were going to bring that up, actually. <laughs> I, oh, really? <laughs> I, I was not even really thinking about that, because Brooke says a bunch of things really fast, and sometimes that I, I don't know, there's some pieces of dialogue that I think about a lot, and then there's others that I feel like my brain just skips over, and that must have been one of them. <laughs> well, that's why we have two hosts. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, the fat shaming behind that whole thing, no, it's just like, it's just really wrong though. Like, like, oh, you're not fat. For one thing, like, somebody calling themselves fat, not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, not a bad thing whatsoever. If you're just describing yourself as fat, like, feel free, be fat positive, do it. And then Brooke saying like, I know I'm not fat, I just like to hear it. It's like, why do you need that validation for? There's so many things to unpack there. I don't think it's necessarily fat shaming. I think it's more so of her... Her confidence and her insecurities, which are the issue. That's how I see it. Well, I don't think she has any insecurity issues because Brooke knows that she's, like, not fat. Yeah. Well, then again, yeah, her liking to hear it. Yeah, but I think it's, okay, it's both, I would say. Yeah. The insecurity issue, but I do think there is a issue with fat shaming in here. It's, I think it is terrible. I mean, that that's a valid point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I was just thinking of Brooke, yeah, her and her insecurities, basically. Yeah, so... I'm just saying, like, you know, portrayals like this back in the day were, you know, they make it really rough for people who are, people who are overweight or people who are fat and healthy as well. There's so many different, like, nuances to that that I'm just gonna continue to call it. I think One Tree Hill thankfully gets out of shit like this as the seasons go on. Yeah. But we're gonna hold the dialogue accountable as it happens. I don't really know. (laughs) I have to rewatch to find out. (laughs) Exactly, because there's some things where I'm like, this holds up, and then I realize, like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't at all. So as Brayton is trying to renew their friendship and have fun together again, they're at the mall with baby Jenny. And of course, they turn away, and Nikki snatches up Jenny. Once again, Nikki is stalking Peyton. This is the second time now that she's just showed up where Peyton is. Yeah. That was a that was a very intense scene. Brooke and Peyton were there with a stroller, and they really like they looked away for two seconds, as anyone would at some point. Yeah, like it wasn't their fault. <laughs> yeah, and of course, like Nikki makes them look bad, especially in the eyes of the security guards and Jake. Yeah, you're pushing a stroller, and you look away for a second, like any human being is going to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm glad Jake didn't blame it on Peyton. Yeah, totally. And she, she, he was, like, disappointed. And I feel like, you know, in the moment, like, you're going to get fired up. So, like, I don't blame, I don't necessarily blame Jake for reacting the way he did and just, like, you know, strolling away with Jenny like he did. So, it was Nikki's fault, by all means, but I do understand, like, why Jake, like, in the moment was upset. So, I definitely have a lot of space for that. <laughs> One that I don't have space for is the <laughs> is the product placement of the singular phone. Did you notice that? The product placement. <laughs> Well, she used the phone to call Jake. Yeah, they zoom right in on the singular ad. Like, okay, are you trying to say something here? (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a clever way to to do it. That's where she got like one free. She got one free local call because the phone was like at a pretzel stand or something like that. Uh-huh. And I don't know. That was that was just a funny. <laughs> that was just a funny like moment for me. I was just zoomed right in. <laughs> Because I remember, like, one Shriel had, like, some type of zeal was singular back in the day. I think it shows up in other episodes. Or maybe there was an advertisement in, like, the commercials or something. Yeah, like, I remember getting text messages from one Shriel, like, you know, every time a new episode aired, there was there would be, like, a poll or something like that. And I think it was specifically for singular customers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, singular hasn't been around for so long now that I... It is now AT&T, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that gave me a good chuckle. I used to be a singular customer. <laughs> I guess we can say singular's name because it doesn't exist. So we can, you know, they're not giving us money, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to say a brand's name on this show unless they are giving us money. Unless it's Cracker Jack. Cracker Jack is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're too much. I will openly talk about Cracker Jack and, you know, completely give them free advertising. <laughs> Otherwise, Singular, if you want to make a comeback, feel free. Sponsor us. <laughs> They're going to change their name now from at and <laughs> Oh. Anyway. All right. Anyway, so the kidnapping causes Jake to want to leave Tree Hill because he thinks that Nikki could get full custody, which is wild to me that if this incident was reported that she stole uh, Jenny in the mall... She brought her back, but she did steal her. Yeah. I don't think that would bode too well for her. And she also abandoned Jenny after birth. So I don't see how she would get full custody. Right. But I'm really curious about this because, like, neither one of us is, like, an expert on, like, legal issues or whatnot. Because in the space of this episode, yeah, we know that what what Nikki did is wrong. Yeah. But in the eyes of the law, and the eyes of the law isn't necessarily always morally right, necessarily. Um, I, I wonder, like, the fact that Nikki gave birth and just decided to, like, leave her baby behind with Jake is does she still have a legal right to Jenny because it's not like this is ever was this ever reported in a way you know that Nikki like ran away and abandoned her child like what was this ever yeah. like you know taken down in the court or anything maybe it wasn't because I can understand that like Nikki could say something like oh like I wanted to be involved in my child's like she, Nikki could lie and like it'll be one person's word against the others you know like look at how she manipulated the security guard at the mall she said like oh I just just taking my daughter shopping it was like no big deal like she, like oh I didn't kidnap my daughter I was just taking her shopping yeah now that you bring that up it does kind of sound like they'd never had any kind of hearing it was like she just abandoned Jenny and then Jake just took over and that was that. So now Nikki has a change of heart and she wants to go through that process to get like legal custody. Yeah. And then Jake decides to just like run away with with his child, which again, I feel like in the eyes of the law, that can be cons- constituted as kidnapping as well. Yeah, you can't do that. That's, yeah, that's, you're in- <laughs> that's illegal. You can't do that. I understand why he did it. Like, I understand why he did it at the end of the day, but like, mm. But what lawyer? I get that typically courts side with the mother, but in this instance, there would be no reason for Nikki to get full custody, so she could have joint custody, and I don't know what lawyer is saying, like, she could get full- is that what they said? That she could get full custody? Because based on what we know on this situation, that would not happen. 
what has Jake done wrong, you know, to lose full custody? So I think this must be a fight over joint custody. And I get that Jake's hurt and I get that Nikki left, but Nikki wants to see her daughter and she's making that effort to be in her life. So why not let her? That's a really good point, actually. I understand Jake's hurt, but it really doesn't make a lot of sense. You're right. I I feel like there's a little bit more. Yeah, like she kidnapped her child right then and there. And I don't want to. I really don't want to defend that. I'm not defending that. That was wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, why can't Nikki, if she wants to try, you know, feel free. Like, hey, like, you know, take her for an afternoon or something like that. Exactly. So now Jake's kind of making the situation worse because he's leaving now, which is illegal. So what this is going to cause more of an issue. Right. Just one more thing. So I almost wonder about Nikki's mental state. So she did kidnap her daughter, but like in her eyes, was she was she kidnapping her daughter? Yeah. But maybe she genuinely did think that she was just taking her child shopping for a little while. She went about it the completely wrong way, but I almost wonder, like, maybe she was thinking one thing. It's hard to tell, I know. You know? Like, wow, I didn't expect to have space for Nikki, wow. <laughs> I know, she's not that- Maybe she's manipulating us, too. Maybe she's manipulating us, too. <laughs> she's not that- she's shown that she's not that great of a person, but, like, I feel like there can be a lot worse when someone- actively like she genuinely seems to want to be part of her daughter's life she came at least what was that the um boy toy auction night she mm-hmm. she genuinely seemed like she wanted to be a part of her life yeah so i i feel like jake should have let her like have some kind of trial at least period to or at least maybe stayed you know both nikki and jake are there with jenny yeah try to come up with like a good co-parenting situation so nikki you know is kind of supervised but like she's still getting time with her daughter because her daughter also doesn't know her either yeah exactly yeah that's really fuzzy wow yeah pretty crazy (laughs) great points caitlin (laughs) why thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but regardless, regardless of the legalities of the whole thing, Jake does decide to leave town because uh, Papa Peyton decides to leave, and they go off. Um, Papa Peyton goes to the Keys, and um, they have to they have like to do a stop or something near Savannah or whatever. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I just watched the episode like two hours ago. I don't remember it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And anyway, Jake decides to, um, I don't know what I'm saying, Caitlin. Talk about the kiss. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a demand, because I know you want to talk about the kiss. But Papa Peyton promises to drop off Jake near Savannah. And then we see that iconic shot where Jake is like holding Jenny and he looks off into the distance and looks at Peyton and waves goodbye. And right before that, Peyton gives him a kiss on the cheek and it is so adorable. And God, Caitlin, I love this so much. It is so perfect. And I want more of this, but it's so sad because Jake is leaving town. Why? Why are they doing this to us? (laughs) I know you had to get that off your chest. Thank you. I've been holding that in for like the last hour or so. <laughs> it was a cute moment though. She kissed him and then and then he gave her like a side hug and it was just really cute and intimate. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. 
Um, something that's not cute and intimate, though. Can we talk a little bit about um, Papa Peyton? It's not a spoiler to say that this is Papa Peyton's last episode of the series, or at least this actor is Papa Peyton. He may appear and look a little bit different later on. Who knows? <laughs> wink, wink. But this is his last episode for a while. And he tells me, and he's like, is it okay that I'm seeing Karen? <laughs> and then Peyton's like, yeah, it's okay. But I'm like, Larry, are you seeing Karen? <laughs> he's seeing her to say bye, never again. <laughs> but they don't even say goodbye to each other in this episode. They don't even have a farewell. <laughs> I know, it's pretty, pretty nuts. <laughs> Not even a deleted scene. There's not even a deleted scene at all between Karen and Larry. Why did they include that? They could have just included a nice scene with Peyton and her dad. He was talking about his trip. And they could have included something like funny or or just cute. Because he really hasn't been around that much. But instead they throw in this little detail that really doesn't even matter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, the whole point about him, like, having to go on his trip, like, I feel like that was, like, a necessary moment to include. It was, like, the Chekhov's gun of this episode, because then it comes back later, like, oh, this is a way for Jake to leave town. So cool. But did he really have to mention Karen, like, at all? Like, the two of them are not in a relationship. Like, okay, Larry, maybe you think this, but Karen is not talking about you at all. I know, She has not mentioned you at all since the boy toy auction. (laughs) It's kind of weird that they would include that in a scene and then not have at least one scene with Karen and Larry in the episode. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of people leaving Tree Hill... Lucas is the third person leaving Tree Hill. We got Papa Payton <laughs> for temporarily. We have Jake and Jenny, and now Lucas is ready to go. But I'm staying forever. I'm staying forever, Jeremy. Yeah, okay. That's good. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I'm glad you're staying. <laughs> that is such a dramatic scene at the end. And I feel like I can't talk about it without talking about the song that's playing. Like, it's just so, oh my God, it adds to the drama. And I think of that song with this moment. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, like, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those scenes in season one that, like, really stands out in my brain. Yes. Do you want to say the the song title? With the music and everything. So, yeah, the song is the final one in the episode, Don't Take Your Love Away by Vast. It was an interesting coda in the sense, too, because the the music plays over several scenes. Um, we see Lucas and Nathan running. They have a dramatic stare-off with Dan. We see Deb sign the divorce papers. She's a little sad about it. She's crying. Jake and Jenny leave on Papa Peyton's boat. We see Lucas go to Peyton's bedroom. He says he's going to be making a few changes. And then, I don't know if you noticed that. You noticed part where he says, I'll be seeing you, Peyton. Yep. They threw that in there <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> I never noticed that before. I was like, oh, I see that yep. callback. And then the music stops. And then it goes to the conversation between Karen and Keith. And then Lucas jumps in. Like, I don't think we've, we've had a coda that was like that. And then all of a sudden the music resumes as soon as Lucas walks in. Yeah. And that stopping and starting of it kind of makes it even more of a powerful moment. I, I feel like it adds mm-hmm. to the, the vibe of it and the drama of the scene. Yeah. Because that conversation with Karen and Keith's pretty tense. And then Lucas adds to that (laughs) tension by saying he wants to leave with Keith Mm -hmm. and basically escape everything that's happened to him recently in Tree Hill and the decisions he's made. Can I talk about the whole conversation between Karen and Keith, though? Sure. What are your thoughts about it? 
so the whole conversation begins because Karen and Keith are talking about the whole um, situation, because now that Keith has this new information, he's now mad at Karen. And then Karen says, you still would have known Zane was a reprehensible human being, if you knew this information, and you still would have been there for Lucas and me. And then Keith says, and what for? So I could push 40, still living in this bachelor apartment? And I'm like, did you need a reason to be nice to Karen and Lucas? Why? Like, (laughs) the fact that he says, and what for? Be there for be there for you and Lucas. What for? What's my reason for being there for the two of you? So I can just be single. And I'm like, I don't know. You could just be a nice person, a decent person, Keith. So I didn't like that exchange personally, and that's why I didn't like Keith in this episode. You know, the way I see it is that Keith, it's kind of the heat of the moment type thing. Keith is he's upset that you know this this secret wasn't revealed to him, and he's upset still about the proposal. And I feel like all of that has kind of built up into this moment where he's just saying, this isn't very nice what he's saying to Karen at all. And I think his emotions are kind of getting the best of him there. So you think it was just like a heat of the moment then? It didn't really... Yeah. Like he doesn't necessarily mean it. Do you think he doesn't mean it necessarily? I don't think he means it because Karen's right. He still would have stuck by and cared for Lucas. And I I don't see how that would have changed. Okay, I can see that, but at the same time, I almost wish Karen, like, called him in for saying that, and said that, like, okay, so, what, Keith, you were only nice to me and Karen, me and Lucas all these years because you wanted something out of it? Is that the only reason? I feel like if I was Karen, I would at least call him in in that situation. Yeah. And, I mean, okay, one moment in defense of what Keith is saying... Karen does say that, like, well, what she get out of this is that she get a boy who loves you. And then that's when Lucas walks in and he says, like, oh, I want to move with Keith. And I feel like this is the moment where Keith is like, oh, after all of this, like, quote unquote work, even though I don't think it's work, but, you know, semantics. Um, even after all this work, like, I have this boy who wants to move three and a half hours away with me. And that actually is a big reward in this sense. Yeah. So I feel like that could have been, like, a good um, a good thing. Like, okay, I didn't get Karen, but I did get Lucas. Like, it means something, the fact that this boy loves me the way he does. So that's me partially making some space for the situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess I hadn't thought as deeply about the scene as you did, if I'm being honest. But, yeah, I just see Keith was upset and he said that, but I think regardless of whatever happened in the past, he was always going to care for Lucas. Maybe I should just ignore those lines. <laughs> it's like Shadow Keith and Light Keith. Basically. I mean, everyone has a heat of the moment and they say something they regret. And I think this is something that wasn't that nice to say to Karen. I just wish she was held more accountable. I wish like, Karen called him in and said something. But we move on. We move on from it, and I then, guess. Yeah. Then <laughs> because Luke, Lucas quickly says that he wants to go with Keith. So then that's how the episode ends. <laughs> so you're kind of left mm-hmm. with the conversation changes when lucas shows up and we're left wondering what tree hill will be like without lucas yep and there's only one more episode of the season oh my so. gosh uh, <laughs> what's gonna happen <laughs> wait to the spoiler segment <laughs> all right do you want to move on to our favorite moments yes let's please do it what was your favorite quote I like what Peyton says to Lucas. She says, if you don't like the person you've become, then do something about it, because no one's going to do it for you. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite quote, too. (laughs) 
That's nice. funny. I don't know. It's just, uh, I just felt like it's like a really good way to just live life, honestly. It's, I don't have anything really deep to say about it other than like, yeah, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I don't think there's much to be said. It's pretty straightforward. And I think that's how Peyton even delivers the line. It's like, you don't like this? Then you need to go do something to change it. Like, right. that's life and that's what you have to do. There's nothing complicated about it. You just go and make that change. So I would agree. It's, it's good, simple advice. Totally. Wow. Moving on, what's your favorite musical moment? So mine was the coda, Don't Take Your Love Away by Vast. And I kind of I kind of already <laughs> stated why. It just really built the drama. And I love how the music stopped and then it started again. And then Lucas reveals that he wants to leave Tree Hill. And it just, I don't know. It gave me all the feels. Yeah. It just... <laughs> like all these most of these codas do it's just like oh my gosh and i think of this scene i've already said these things when we were talking about the coda but i don't know i really like this song yeah it gave, it gave me a lot of feelings as was happening for exactly the same reasons you were saying and let me just make that clear i like the song and i like the musical moment look at that <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to offend jeremy i don't want to offend jeremy <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate no you. Um, I also feel like that's really the only standout song in this episode, to be honest with you. Yeah, there wasn't really too many like ones that played long enough, really. I feel like that's a thing for um, for this season in general. I feel like they ran out of money for like the music toward the end of the season. They're like, okay, we only have enough room for one coda. <laughs> 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 Because I feel like the um, the amount of songs like for the rest of the series are it's much more balanced with like the number of songs per episode and and, and the one major song is fine like I'm okay with it I'm not mad but I'm just saying like you know as far as our musical moments our choices are limited yeah they kind of do fade out a little bit as the season goes on and there's really only like one <laughs> main song but yeah definitely not an issue for the rest of the series though because. There's so many moments where I'm like, the coda's great, but I also like this moment. <laughs> so how would you rate the episode overall? Uh, it's one of those episodes that's just fine to me. I like the storylines that it introduces. There's a few cringy moments where I'm like, yeah. Like the whole morality conversation about pornography and the shaming of sex workers and all that bullshit. Um, I already told, talked about my issues with Keith. So I would give it... A three out of five more positive portrayals of sex workers for that reason. What about you? I gave it a four out of five goodbyes. Aww. Because I felt like this episode, it kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen next. There's so many, like, storylines that kind of begin or, in a way, end. Like, Jake leaves. What's going to happen there? Lucas wants to leave. Um... You know, Deb and Dan are finally finalizing their divorce. There's just Lucas and Nathan, their, you know, friendship, I guess you could call it at this point, is growing. So it just kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen next. And I really liked those scenes specifically with Nathan and Lucas. I thought that was a strong aspect of the episode. And the Jake storyline's interesting to me. So overall, four out of five. 
Yeah, there's a lot of great moments, and yeah, I completely agree with you that as soon as this episode ended, I wanted to start the next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, even though I've seen it a million times, I know what happens, but I still want to, I still wanted to continue with it. But yeah, I feel like it was just missing a lot for me personally, so that's why it gets a three out of five for me. But overall, I'm very excited to get into the season finale. I can't believe it. We're there. We're almost there. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHPod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHPod at gmail.com. That's always O-T-H-P-O-D. You can follow Jeremy Rodriguez on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. You can follow Caitlin Illinich on Twitter at MissIReads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, not much to talk about for this one, but... Lucas and Keith do move to Charleston, but it doesn't last for very long, does it? <laughs> like, part of an episode. <laughs> I even remember, like, um, th- th- there was, like, these fears, like, is Chad Michael Murray going to turn for season two? And then, like, all the promotional material for season two, he's very obviously there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still, <laughs> you can tell he's coming back, you know? <laughs> It was very similar. I feel like it's kind of similar to how they pulled um, season four of Beverly Hills 90210, where Brenda leaves to go to college. She decides to go to. She decides to go back to Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota, Michigan. I'm pretty sure it's Minnesota. Um, she decides to go there for college, and then she goes to college there for a little while. But then she eventually comes back because, come on, how are the writers going to write her in a different city away from her friends? And you know, the show is called One Tree Hill. So how can Lucas not be in? One- one tree hill yeah exactly <laughs> just like how can brenda not be in beverly hills i just it's so weird how this storyline is built up like lucas is leaving tree hill and then he's back and like by the end of the season two finale or sorry the season two premiere <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it literally like there's all this build up and dramatic ending to the season and then he's already back exactly And Dan is the one to bring Keith and Lucas back because of his heart attack. Dana's the one? What do you mean? I mean, the whole thing happened with a heart attack, so they had to go back to Tree Hill right away. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. But at the same time, they also agreed, like, hey, we want to come back because we're... We just want to come back. But they were hardly there. So how do they already want to come back? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It was just used as a device to... And oh my gosh, I, I don't remember like the exact time frame of this episode, but if I'm remembering correctly, doesn't that all like when he leaves in the season one finale, like when he officially leaves town, or when both um Keith and Lucas leave town, um, and then the end of the season two premiere, isn't that all the span of a day? They're moving in, and then they get the call, and they go back. So if it's like three hour drive away, like there's like six, there's like a six hour period of time where like. Keith and Lucas are just driving. And then what happens to this apartment that they had? It's just so ridiculous. 
We're too crowded in the first... I feel like back then, like, we didn't know anything about, like, paying rents and shit like that. <laughs> so, we were able to excuse it. I feel like nowadays, it's like, we're too stuck in the real world, you know? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it's hard to think oh. about it and, like, I don't know. Whatever. <sighs> They played us with that plot line, just like the games that play us in the season one finale, which we will discuss next week. I really can't believe we are already here. Crazy. According to our OTH DVD box sets, playoffs arrive and Lucas leaves. Looking for a fresh star after a tumultuous year, he decided to move to Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> I didn't know that, but... That's a typo. That's what the box sets say. <laughs> Charleston <laughs> with Keith. But a series of challenges, betrayals, and shocking surprises make his departure anything but peaceful. We'll, we'll be, be seeing you in, in Charleston. Charlotte. <laughs> or Charlotte, depending on what your preference is. <laughs> <laughs>